Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? Hey, what an honor and privilege that we have to come together in this place and worship the one and only living God. Will you make some noise for Jesus? All right, we can do better than that. We have the one and only living God. Will you make some noise for Jesus? Yes. Thank you for joining us this morning. If it's your first time here, welcome. We're so happy to see you. If you're joining online, welcome. We believe that there is no one who's too far from God to experience a life change through Jesus. And we are here as a church to be a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints. So whatever walk of life that you've come in here with, we wanna welcome you here. We believe in the Bible. We believe in the Father. We believe in the Son and the Holy Spirit. We believe the same God who spoke in the Bible still speaks today. And I love what Jesus says. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And that's a promise, church. So I wanna invite you, I wanna encourage you to let him in today. Give him the permission to come into your heart, come into your situation, come into your circumstance, and he promises to meet you wherever you're at. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, hello. My name is Invita. I am over the prayer and fasting here, and I am so excited, if you can't tell, to share the word today. We're in the series called Real Life. A few weeks ago, Pastor Josh, he talked about real life impact. Last week, Pastor Nate, he talked about real-life marriage. And today, we're talking about real parenting. Yeah, I know, that's what I said. I was like, God, are you trying to be funny? <laughs> I already spoke on parenting, and you and I both know I am not the perfect parent. Why am I talking about this? And he said to me, but you know the perfect parent. That was so good, you guys. You and I, if you believe in Jesus, you and I have the one perfect parent. And we're going to be looking at how he parents us and how we can parent our children and what we can learn from him. Let's pray and then we'll dive right in. God, I'm so excited for your word this morning. And God, I thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that your word will accomplish for the purpose that you have sent it. And God, I thank you for every single person that's listening right now. Father, I pray that you would meet us right where we're at. God, I just pray for your spirit. God, I pray for your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Luke 15. While you're turning there, this is normally known as the parable of the prodigal son. Now, a parable is something that Jesus told. There are stories that Jesus told the people at that point in history in a way that they could understand and maybe relate to it. And the word prodigal itself, it means somebody who's just completely reckless and somebody who spends foolishly and lavishly. If it was up to me, honestly, I would call it the parable of the prodigal dad. Because I've always been attracted to the dad in the story. Because when we think about how he loves us, how he forgives us, and how he shows us his mercy, it seems almost foolish, just completely wild. But we're going to see how he parents the children in here. And the father in the story is our heavenly father, right? So we're in Luke 15, verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, 
give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the son got together all he had and he set off to a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. The first point this morning, please write it down. It is real parenting allows choices. Real parenting allows choices. We see the son, he has the audacity to not ask, demand his inheritance. Who asks for the inheritance while the person is still alive? He's basically telling his dad, I don't care about you. You're basically dead to me. I want what is mine. Extremely rude. But the wilder part to me is the fact that the dad gives it to him. He gives it to him, and then he lets him leave. And as we continue to read the story, we'll find out that there's no mention of the dad taking any responsibility for the choice that his child just made. In fact, he ends up with the pigs. Now, as a Jewish person, you guys, this is like as low as you can get. Pigs were these unfilthy, just filthy animals. And he ends up with the pigs. He's taking care of the pigs. And he's longing to eat what the pigs are eating. And for him, this is like rock bottom. You can't go any lower than this. And the dad allowed him to make a choice and then to live out the consequences of those choices. And can I just remind us today that God has given us the gift of making choices. He has given us a gift of making choices. He has given the same gift to our children to make choices, and there is nothing you and I can do that can take that gift away from our children. And this is so important, and we see this in one of the longest books in the Bible. It's the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses, when he's talking to the Israelites, the whole book, you guys, he's essentially breaking down the law, not because it's so complicated to understand, but he wants them to understand that, hey, the choices that you make, the decisions that you make have consequences. And he wants them to know the choices that you make, the decisions that you make will determine your destiny. And that is true for you and I today. The choices that you make, the choices that your children make will determine the destiny. And he says this in Deuteronomy 30, 19. It says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as the witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, it's amazing how God, with just all his power, this always gets me. With all the power, he could make us into little puppets, do whatever, make us do whatever he wanted us to do, but he doesn't. He lets us choose. He lets us make a choice. He wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose to spend time with him. He wants us to choose to read the Bible to get to know him better. He lets us choose. He's not going to make you do anything. And our job as parents is not to make those choices for their children. We can't make them, but what we can do is we can influence them. We can't control the choices our children make, but we can influence them. 
A few years ago, um, my eldest, he started middle school. I was so excited for him. We went to middle school, and we're walking his schedule, and then all of a sudden, my excitement just kind of went down the pot. And I was like, oh, God, I'm panicking. I feel like I'm sending my little lamb among the wolves, you know? And as I saw things that he was going to be exposed to, the people that he was going to be around, and then I remember at the dinner table that night, I was like, buddy, we have to talk. I'm like, we are so excited for you to start middle school. You're going to meet so many friends. You're going to have awesome teachers. You're in an awesome school district. You're going to learn fascinating things. But I also want to tell you that everybody doesn't believe in Jesus. And people make, make choices based on what they believe in. And that people might say things because of what they believe in. But I want you to know that we believe what God says about us. We believe in the absolute truth. It's not anybody's opinion. It is the truth, which is the Bible. So if we're ever confused about something, we can go to the Bible and ask God, hey, how, what do you have to say about this? And he will help us. So we don't make decisions based on just feelings or emotions or what even the facts are. We make decisions on the absolute truth and what God says, who he says we are and what he says in the Bible. And that is who we are. We need to teach our kids the process of making those choices that we make. And it's not enough to just teach them the process. We have to be able to model it. We have to be people who model the choices that we want our children to make. Because, you know, our actions will always speak louder than our words to our kids. Yeah. A few weeks ago, um, my kids, we had um, an orchestra concert. And our little tradition is to go through drive through McDonald's. It might not sound so fancy, but to us, it's a huge deal because we don't really eat out much. So I let them get whatever they wanted. And then I didn't get anything for myself. And I looked at this McFlurry. It was like singing my name. And I was like, no, I will not get the McFlurry. So then I <laughs> drove away. I got the food. The lady gave it to me. And then I turned around. And she's like, ma'am, would you like a large Oreo McFlurry? I was like, yes. Yes, I would. And... She's like, okay, you're getting too excited about a McFlurry. And um, I drove away, and then I was like, Jesus, you are so good to me. Thanks for my McFlurry. And my kids are like, okay, that was nice of him, but why are you so excited? I'm like, okay, let me tell you what just happened. I'm like, well, we went through the drive-thru. I really wanted this McFlurry. And then I had a little conversation. I didn't get the McFlurry, but Jesus knew how much I wanted it, and he gave it to me. And he's like, my kids are like, oh, that's nice. But if you wanted it so bad, why didn't you just buy it? And I was like, oh, well, here's the thing. I already kind of spent money this week, and it was like three-something, and I was like, you know what? I probably should not be spending the three-something. And my kid's like, really? It's three dollars. I'm like, three oh, dollars? I was like, Elijah, let me tell you that every single thing that we have is the Lord's. And he has entrusted that $3 to me, and it is my responsibility on using it wisely. And it was $3 or $3 million. It's all his. And we're making decisions. We need to make sure we're putting God first and being res uh, um, respectful, obedient to how, what he's given us. So we have to teach our kids the process of making decisions, but also model it for them, and involve them in the decision-making how you involve God in your decisions. Why does this matter? This is so important. We have to teach the kids how to make choices, and we have to allow them to experience that, hey, your choices have consequences, whatever your choices are, because one day they are going to have to decide for themselves 
whether they choose Jesus or not. And they need to understand that that choice is going to have eternal consequences. And that is the one choice that none of us can make for our kids. And through choices and teaching them, like choices are so important and we have to teach them. And this is something that I'm growing in right now. I'm reading the book and I'm going to recommend it to you. It's called Boundaries with Teens. Boundaries with Teens. And it says when to say yes and how to say no. Really good examples of how you can incorporate these in your parenting. I highly recommend it. Um, it's really good. But I also want to acknowledge the fact that there are parents in the room right now. And I have talked to so many parents who are just in a really tough season of life right now because the kids are making some hard choices and they can't do anything about them. Can I just say I'm sorry? Because as a mom, I can't imagine just watching your kids make poor choices and live out the consequences. That is so hard. But can I encourage you today and tell you that God sees right where you're at. He sees your child and he loves both of you and he is for you and for your child. And I want to encourage you today to just keep praying for them because that is God's heart too. He wants all everyone to come to him. He wants to be known. He wants everybody to be drawn to him. So pray for your kids and don't stop praying for them. Pray for that God would draw them back to him. Pray for protection over them. Pray for people to come in their life who would be good influences to them. Don't stop praying for them. So the first point was real parenting allows choices. And the second point this morning is real parenting requires mercy. Please write it down. Real parenting requires mercy. Let's see what happens next. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still long ways off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. Pause. The dad, he sees him in this long distance, far away. Why? Because he'd been waiting for him. He'd been hoping that one day he would come back. And his heart was longing for him to come back home. And when he sees him just so far away, what does he do? He has compassion for him. And this man just takes off running. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal to us. But for this culture, this man was really wealthy. That means he wore these giant robes. And they would go down to the ground. So to run, he would have to pick up his robe and start running. And it was just completely countercultural for grown men in this culture to run. And now he's running and he's showing off sexy little ankles while he's going, but he doesn't care. He's like, I don't care what anybody else says. I don't know what they think. I don't care. All what I care is about my son that I see in the distance. And I'm going to run to him to show him that he is loved. He's welcomed back home. And he just goes over the top. And then he says, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. This boy, he had been living with pigs, like taking care of them. So he probably like looked like one, smelled like one. He doesn't care. He hugs him and he kisses him. And the word, original word that's used here, it's like he kissed him and he kissed him and he kissed him and he kissed him. He just kept kissing him. He just goes completely over the top. And the son said to the father, 
I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he has even time to finish the spiel that he had for his dad, his dad says, but the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best rope, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for his son of mine was dead. And now he's alive again for he was lost and he's now found. So they began to celebrate. The dad, he goes above and beyond above and beyond, to show him kindness, to make sure that he knows that he is welcome back. And there's no doubt about it. He didn't have to give him a robe. He didn't have to give him a ring. He didn't have to throw him a party. He didn't get to give sandals. None of those things were necessary. But he goes above and beyond because he knew that that's what his son needed. And he didn't want his son to have any doubt that he is a part of the family and he was welcome back home. And can I just point out here that from the people in the story here, it's the dad who shows mercy to his son. It's the dad who shows him mercy in the son. And this is so important. We have to be parents who show mercy to our kids. Why? Because the Lord commands it. In Luke 6, 36, it says, Therefore be merciful, just as your father is also merciful. God calls us to be people who are merciful. In the Bible, mercy has to do with us not getting what we deserve. Not getting what we deserve. And every time we see mercy, it has to do, God, it has to do with God's, his heart behind it is kindness, is compassion. God is so kind and he's so compassionate towards us and he's so patient towards us. And because that's who he is, he's like, I'm not going to give you what you deserve because of what you did. That is mercy. I remember a few years ago when my um, kid started kindergarten, I was so excited for him and nervous at the same time he comes home and he's just so sad. And I was like, buddy, what happened? And I finally get him to tell me what was going on. And he's like, well, I was in playground and this kid, he slapped me. I was like, oh. And he's like, and he just kept slapping me and slapping me. And I was like, why didn't you punch him back? You know, that would be the opposite of mercy. Yeah, and his dad kind of came in and he's like, no, that's not how we handle the situation. But that would be the opposite of mercy. But we live in a world that lacks so much mercy. And some of us haven't even experienced that in our life, like from our families or friends in a tangible way. Because we live in a world that lacks mercy. But we have to be parents who show mercy to our children because that's where they're going to learn what mercy is. And I read this quote about mercy and parenting, and I want to read it to you. It says, mercy is parenting with a tender heart. Mercy is not taking your children's failures personally, but viewing their struggle with compassion. Mercy is about blessing your children with patience. It's about being as careful to encourage as to rebuke. It's about discipline that is kind and correction that is gentle. Mercy is about being firm and unyielding and loving at the same time. It's about refuse to indulge your irritation and your anger. Mercy is about moving towards your children with love, even in the moments when they don't deserve your love. Mercy means that every action, reaction, and response towards your child is tempered and shaped by tenderness, understanding, compassion, and love. Parenting is a lifelong mission to humbly, joyful, and willingly give mercy. The Lord has helped me grow in this quite a bit over the years, but I still have a long way to go. But I remember the turning point for me 
was when I actually sat down and thought about all the times and all the things that he didn't give me what I deserved. And I want to tell you that that has made it a little bit easier for me to give mercy because when you don't have something, you can't give it away. But when you realize what you have, it makes it a little bit easier. So if it's something that you want to grow in, I highly encourage that you pray and fast before praying for mercy because God will send you situations and people to be merciful to and you will need the power of God <laughs> to help you through those because it is hard. It is hard to show mercy in real life. I remember years ago, we were like in this crisis time of our lives and my house was just completely out of control. And I told my husband, you have to take the kids, go do something for hours. I'm going to deep clean, power clean this house like never before. So I run around just like completely exhausted end of the day. I see my kids come in. They're half awake. They're exhausted, had a blast. You know, and my kids, when they were little, they would all just go to the bathroom together. And all the boys, three of them, they go to the bathroom, they go to bed. I'm like, oh, easiest bedtime of like ever. So they all go to go to bed. And then I go to the bathroom. And then my socks were wet. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to panic. <laughs> I'm not going to panic. And then I turn the lights on. And then I realized my children were so tired that none of them thought to pick the lid up to go pee. So now, all three of them had peed in the toilet with the seat down, and now there's like urine everywhere. And I was like, oh, Lord. I just lost it, right? Like, I just had a breakdown, because I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this. But in that moment, I had a choice to make. Am I going to explode and go wake them up and help them clean it up? Or am I going to try to show them some compassion? And I chose to show them some compassion. We definitely talked about it the next day, like, never again will you do this again. <laughs> but in that moment, I had to choose. And in parenting, we have so many opportunities every day to show mercy to our kids. And in those moments, I want to encourage you to choose to be merciful to our children. It doesn't mean that you don't discipline them, but being kind and compassionate in the way you discipline them is so important. And if you um, need additional resources on this, Mary Gothi actually wrote a book specifically on merciful parenting on mom, for moms. So I highly recommend it. She has great examples in there and just everyday situations that you could learn to be merciful towards your children. So the first point this morning was real parenting gives choices, requires mercy. And let's see what happens next. Luke 15, 25. It says, meanwhile... The older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants, and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. He has him back safe and sound. And the older brother came angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered the father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you have never even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered all your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, said the father, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. The third point this morning is real parenting loves uniquely. 
real parenting loves uniquely. We see the dad, the younger son, right? Like he makes his choice, he goes away, and what does the dad do? He lets him go. The older son, he comes home and he is hot. He doesn't even want to come in the house, and what does the dad do? He goes after him to try to talk to him. When the younger brother, he comes home, he goes over the top with all this stuff for him. Why? Because that is what he needed in that moment to make sure he knew who he was. And I didn't really understand this very much but, until I had kids. But I remember we had pay, um, prayed for a child for many years, and finally, my Elijah was born. And I remember the first time I held him. And it was just like this surreal moment like I'd never had before. And I felt the world itself stopped. Time stopped. And I was like, I didn't know it was possible to love so much. And then I was pregnant with my second child, and I was like, God, I'm sorry, I'm such a bad mom. Like, I, I want this kid, but I'm not gonna love him as much as I love Elijah. I am so sorry. Like, it's not humanly possible to love another child as much as I love him. And then I had Isaiah. And when I held him, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy how much I love him. And then I had Ezra and Esther, and I was like, God, this is so wild. I didn't know I had the capacity to love so much. How is it even possible that I love each of them individually with all of me? And he said, this is how I love all my kids. He said, I've loved each of my kids with this unending love. You don't have to compare yourself to each other. I love each one of you uniquely. And he meets us where we're at. And he gives us what we need in different situations. But he loves us all uniquely right where you're at. And you don't have to fight for attention. You don't have to do anything to be better than your siblings. You know? He loves you. That's it. And <clears throat> over the years, I have tried to incorporate this in my parenting. And you guys might have heard about the five love languages. Usually it's used in relationships, right? I've used it with my kids because over the years I've learned how they receive and give love the best. So the five love languages are listed there for you. I've learned that with my oldest one, he really needs his one-on-one -on -one time. In fact, this week he came up and he's like, I miss you and my time. So we made a plan on how I'm going to pick him up for lunch once in a while from school and we're going to go have lunch together so he can get the one-on-one -on -one time that he needs. My Isaiah, he's all about the touch. Like he wets up, he gets extended hugs, we cuddle in the morning. There's really any passing moment we have, we're always hugging because that's how he receives love. My Ezra, he is all about the acts of service. Anything I can do for him just in the smallest way just makes his day. Esther, she's just like the mama. She's fluent in all five. <laughs> Whatever she does not getting at the moment is what she needs. You know, so I don't know what to do with that. But um, yeah, but that's how I try to incorporate that in my parenting. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, this is how God loves us. If you look at it, time. There is no one ever who has given us the privilege to go before him, right? Like anytime you want to talk to God, you can talk to God and he will give you his undivided attention. Anytime, doesn't matter, day or night, whatever. He gives his time to you. Now as parents, this is kind of impossible, right? Because we're humans. But can I encourage you to be intentional with your time? 
There's so many studies out right now, you know, with cell phone usage and children, how it's affecting them. And there's a university in California, and they did a research, and they're showing that what the kids are learning is that when we're talking to them in the room, we can be in the same room, but when we're on our devices and when they're talking to us and trying to communicate to us, and our eyes are on a device, it's actually telling them what's important. Our eyes communicate to them what's important, and to them, they feel like whatever we're doing is more important than them. And there's so many ways that we can be more intentional with the time that we've been given with our children. So I want to encourage you to think about how you can be more intentional with the time that you have with your kids. Physical touch. We see um, Jesus in the New Testament. Majority of the miracles. Before there was a miracle, there was a touch. Why? Because touch is powerful. Touch is powerful, and Jesus is not walking the planet today, but when you get in the presence of God, it is possible to feel the very tangible presence of the living God. Appropriate touch is so important. And actually, there is research behind this. All the people who are missing Notre Dame inferences this morning, Notre Dame did a research, and it was on physical touch. And they studied kids who didn't grow up with very much physical touch. And it turns out that actually there's a nerve that is underdeveloped when the kids don't get physical touch. And that nerve then later on produces a hormone that actually helps them to connect in relationships. It's affecting them long-term. Will you be more intentional with your kids with your physical touch? And no one does it better than God when it comes to acts of service and receiving gifts. I mean, he cares about my ice cream. Let's go. I am just saying, he is amazing. And in closing, I wanna just say that you know, some of us, we're raising our children in the way that we were raised. But is it the way that God wants us to raise our children? And so many of us, really all of us, because we live in a broken world, none of us grew up in a perfect home. Maybe we didn't experience what mercy really looks like, how to show love and receive love in the way that we need to be loved. Maybe we weren't taught how to make choices. But can I encourage you and tell you that you have the one perfect parent in heaven who is for you and who wants to help you. And real parenting is hard. It's hard mentally, emotionally, physically, financially it can be rough. But God doesn't want you to do it alone. He wants you to invite him into your parenting. And there are so many promises in the Bible where he says he will help you. And this is not just for parenting, but I wanna say some of them for you. And this is from multiple um, verses here. And he says that, come to me all who are weary and laden, and I will give you rest. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. He says, do not fear for I am with you and do not be dismayed because I am your God. He says, I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. That is a promise, church. I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And if anyone lacks wisdom, 
you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Can I invite you this morning? Can I encourage you this morning to invite God into your parenting? Because you have one perfect God and He is available and He wants to help you and He doesn't want you to do it alone. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much for being our perfect Father, Lord. God, some of us don't even know how to connect with that because we didn't have a good role model growing up. But Father, I just pray that you would help us to see you the way you are. God, I pray that you would reveal something new about you to us today. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to continue to grow in our parenting, Lord, to be more like you. I thank you that you are for us. I thank you that you have good plans for us. I thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. And I thank you for being our God. In the name of Jesus, amen.